0: You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through our Christmas Advent series. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 2 tonight. And if you want, just for fun, go to Psalm 91. Luke chapter 2, Psalm 91. And I love what Robin said, Merry Christmas. It is about Christ. It's about Jesus in this season. And we're going to look to Him, and it's so good to come together to worship Jesus as we study Scripture and as we turn our Bibles to the Christmas story, we're really diving deep into this Christmas story and looking at certain characters because, listen, this is not just another fable, a made-up story. This is actually real. And last week, we sort of looked at that, how Matthew gave us this prophetic message. So the story is prophetic. God strategically planned this, and it's incredible. Like, His love is real for us, and the things and how He came is important. The characters He reveals to us in this story. And as we looked last week about the prophets, it really told us that this story is prophetic. That God sovereignly sovereignly has a plan in our lives and providentially knows us all. Scripture says He knows every hair on our head. Um, and so He wants to, to work in our lives and we could look to Him and we see Him working in this Christmas story. But God, it doesn't just work back then. He works today and will work forever because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And so we could look to Him and look at these things and learn. God wants us to know who the Messiah is. He wants us to know how to be saved. He wants us to know His great love for us. And He can and does save man. Matthew 1.21 says, uh, the angel told Joseph in a dream, we looked at this last week, that she, speaking of Mary, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus' name means God is salvation. For Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. If that's not a reason to rejoice, we should just pack up and go home. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God can forgive my sin. That he saves us from our brokenness, our sinfulness, the wrath that should have been poured upon me by God's mercy and His grace is now poured upon His Son. And this was why He came in. And so we need to connect the dots because our culture certainly isn't doing it. And this is why God gives us the truth of His Word so that we would walk in the reality and have our hearts filled with peace and with joy, righteousness and salvation to know Christ. And so God foretold through the prophets that Jesus was coming, specifically in a special way And tonight, we're going to continue our Advent series as we look at another key character uh, in the Christmas story, the angels. The angels. Last week, we looked at the prophets. Tonight, we're going to look at the angels. And we're going to see that this story is not just prophetic, but it's also spiritual. It's a spiritual story. Let me just remind you, you you're a spiritual being. You're not just physical. You have a spirit as well. And this story Although it's a historical story, it's a very spiritual story, and it gives us insight in the spiritual realm that we need to have insight today. And so let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 15, and then I want to read just two verses in Psalm 91, 11 through 12, and we'll sort of get to that at the very end. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 through 15. We'll do what we always do we'll read, we'll pray, we'll study together. It says this, and she, speaking of Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, that was Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's going to be a key verse for us to learn some principles about angels. And the angel said to them, Fear not. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Psalm 91, there are many psalms and many verses about angels that you can bring, and we're going to look at a lot of things tonight. But Psalm 91 is one I think that could bring it home to us for a more personal aspect. The psalmist writes in Psalm 91, it's a psalm of protection, how God is our refuge, our strength, our fortress. And it's a prayer to remind us and to align our hearts up with heaven and the reality of truth. In verse 11 and 12, it says this, For he, speaking of God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your truth. We ask God right now that the Spirit of God would teach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you comfort, that you dwell with us, that you're one that points us to Jesus. We need your empowering to speak through me and teach. But Lord, we also need soft hearts. Lord, we know that you pour out your Spirit upon men, and we just ask God, as you are graciously do this every week, you give us words of life that we would receive that in our hearts, that it would go on good soil, that it would multiply and go go forth. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to use those that are listening to this message to not only bear good news for their soul, but to internalize it, pray through it, understand it, and to spread this good news, just like the angels, to all the world, to lowly shepherds, to family members, to their community, their loved ones. And so we want to have ears to hear and a heart to receive. So, Spirit of God, do what only you can do. Teach, minister. Thank you, Lord, for the insight of your word and how you direct, and thank you, God, just for the souls that are in this room and even listening online. We just pray that this would go forth your word in power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, during Christmas, we're studying as a church key characters Advent, Advent series. And there are certain characters that we're going to look at to find truths about God and following Jesus. Again, last week we looked at the prophets. Next week we're going to look at the shepherds and dive a little bit more into this story because I want to read through a lot of the Scripture um, and see these key characters in it. Um, We're going to look at Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents. And even on Christmas Day that night, we'll look at Jesus. He's a pretty important character in the story, right? Tonight we're going to look at the angels, though. The angels. And we are asking ourselves, what do these characters teach us about God and Jesus? And remember, Advent, it it literally means the arrival of a notable person, a thing, or an event. And we as God's people, we want to take time to process, to study the importance of the Son of God coming to earth. The living Word manifesting Himself among us to save us. And these key characters in Christmas they give us a little insight and point us to Christ in certain ways. And as we look tonight at the angels, um, man, we have to acknowledge that this is probably the most misrepresented characters of all characters in the Christmas story. Like, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about angels. And even me, I was talking to Laura, I was like, I don't even know if I've done a key character study like what Scripture says about angels, right? Um, And she's like, no, you have, you have. But I'm like, it's not often that we just talk about angels and what Scripture says. But Scripture actually says a lot about angels, and we're going to get into it tonight. But culturally speaking, so many people have miss, crazy, wrong, thoughtful ideas about angels, what they are, and what they represent, and even what they do. Like, we know the portrait, right? The little fat baby on a cloud. Like, that's an angel? No, that's not an angel. Or maybe a feminine man, like sort of softly spoken, like weird looking or bright and like have weird movies about these things. Like we need to find our truth and our bearings of what the scripture says about things. And angels, I think, is one of those things where there's a lot of confusion. And I think in part is because Satan is a fallen angel and he doesn't want you to actually understand the significance, the importance of the spiritual realm and angels and their roles and even his role on earth in the spiritual warfare that we're in. But the Bible actually says a lot, a lot about angels and knowing these things can be helpful for our faith today and our faith in God. Tonight what we're going to do is sort of more of a systematic theology approach where we're going to study the angels and what I mean by systematic theology is the Bible references so many scriptures that we're not going to be able to cover all of them. I'm going to say a lot of different things, and I have scriptures and, and insight and wisdom um, on that, but there are so many scriptures, I just sort of have to get this topic and just, boom, put it all together. Systematic theology is helpful when you organize, to organize what the Bible says about a certain topic. And uh, one book that I'd recommend, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty um, light read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, it was by my nightstand for years. It was just, you know, I'd read it. It was about like a thousand page. It's a solid theology book. Now, one thing I'm going to do to help you if you want to study more and give you more references is I actually have an article that I am referencing a lot. It's not the order he wrote it in, but I am referencing a lot. And most of the verses that I'm using, he referenced as well. So you can do a deep dive so you don't have to go crazy on the notes. But I'll post it on our social media page. Uh, He wrote an article just about angels and gives you a lot of Bible verses and answers like 14 different questions about angels. I know it was really helpful for me when I was studying pointing me to Scripture, and so um, I know it will also be helpful for you. And so we'll use this text from chapter 2 of Luke for our outline tonight and actually learn a lot about angels. And as we see this story, I'll bring up certain things that Scripture says about angels so you can systematically sort of think through and get some points and have some handlebars about why angels are important not only in the story but actually in the spiritual realm and right now. With us. First point, if you look at it, verse nine. Verse nine, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared to the shepherds. first point I want you to understand that the angels teach us is there is a spiritual realm. It's pretty duh, hello. But think about it. How often do we live our lives in the physical realm and don't and forget about the spiritual? And we understand that angels are spiritual beings. Just because you are a physical being. Uh, Does not mean that the spiritual doesn't exist. And just because you don't see things does not mean they don't exist. There is both a physical and a spiritual realm in this universe. And this is why the Bible says that we are to live by faith and not by sight. Because oftentimes we do not see the spiritual realm or the true reality of the things because we are in the physical. But angels teach us this right off the bat, they just appeared. The author of Hebrews teaches us that angels in Hebrews chapter 1, 13, and 14, that they're spirits. They're spiritual beings. And in Scripture, angels aren't usually seen by humans unless God opens up the spiritual realm and reveals them to us. Stories like this in Luke chapter 2, but other stories. If you look at the Old Testament, um, Numbers chapter 22 and and 2 Kings chapter 6, you may know these stories. You remember uh, uh, Balaam and... Um, the donkey. He was getting mad at the donkey and beating his donkey. And the donkey finally speaks to him. He's like, dude, what do you want me to do? There's an angel in front of me. If we go, he's going to kill us. Like there are actual times when angels appear and humans cannot see it. Or like in second Kings chapter six, where Elisha tells his servant, like, don't, don't worry. There's these commanders and these soldiers coming to get the prophet and his servant. And he's like, don't worry. Don't worry. He's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, God, would you open his eyes?" And the servant's eyes are open, and there's all these angels around. He's like, there's more of us than of them. God has to open our eyes to the spiritual realm. However, from time to time, angels, we see they do appear, like in this story. And they can even take on a bodily form and appear in various, uh, to va- they appear to various people in Scripture, You remember the story after Jesus died for our sins when he was an adult, rose again three days later, in Matthew chapter 28, the angel appeared to Mary after the resurrection and said, He is risen, Matthew 28 verse 5. Hebrews 13.2 actually even says that we can actually be unaware that we are in angels' presence and entertain them. They could take on a human form, and we may not even know that they're angels, and we can actually give them and minister to them, give them Love and serve and minister to them. That's interesting. I think this is important to know because it means that the big picture is we need God to open our eyes to the spiritual realm. Don't take that for granted. Like, there's another psalm, Psalm 119. I wrote this down, verse 18. He says a prayer, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. We need God to give us revelation, to open our eyes to the spiritual realm, to give us eyes to see. And I just wonder, was that your prayer today? When you came into church, were you like, God, help me to see more of the spiritual realm. Help me to see more of you. God, give me reality. Spirit, speak. God, open my eyes and things of the spirit. We have not sometimes because we ask not. God answers according to His will, and He wants to reveal things in the Spirit to us. And this angel appeared suddenly. It was there, it wasn't there, and then it was there. And that oftentimes happens with revelation. It's like, it's not there, and then it's there. And God will answer our prayers when we ask Him to open things up in the spiritual realm. And this is why we go to God's Word every week, because the Word of God reveals the spiritual truth to us, but so do angels. So do angels, messengers of God. They teach us and remind us that there is a spiritual realm because in verse 15 it says after they had this message and appeared and gave glory to God as we sang in those songs, they just went away and went back up to heaven. So there was truth revealed, boom, done. And so Wayne Grudem says this, humans aren't the only intellect, moral creatures who glorify God. Angels glorify God for who he is in himself, for his excellence. Or as the Psalms puts it, more Psalms, Psalm 103.20 says, Be blessed the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, hearken to the voice of his word. Psalm 148.2 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. And don't we see that? In the spiritual realm, in this story, the heavenly hosts open up and the shepherds are hearing, wow, in the spirit, everyone knows God is God. Like they don't struggle with that because in the spirit, they see that. And you know what? In your faith, in the spirit, when you get your eyes open to who God is more and more, you won't struggle as much either. But you got to press into God. You got to ask him, God, help me to see that. And so they're praising God, these angels. Every time in Scripture, you see angels praising God. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gets his calling, goes before the throne of God, and there is his seraphim. They're continually praising God for his holiness, Isaiah 6, 2 through 3. And in Revelation, we've seen, as we study that as a church, Revelation 4, 8, there's these four living creatures around the throne. They're praising God, holy, holy, holy. They understand and they recognize who God is. And so the more that we see God's glory in, in the reality of faith and on the reality of the spiritual side, we will also praise him. This is why asking God is so important for your heart. Having a posture of prayer. Not just thinking, okay, I hope you have a good message today. Or not just thinking God, like God's, you know, going to your Bible study, being like, well, God better prove something to me. No, we need to have a posture that calls upon the name of the Lord. Did you know Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's so fundamentally to our faith that the way that we enter into the kingdom of God, have our sins forgiven, and actually have salvation is a posture of humility and saying, God, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to open my eyes. I need you to give me revelation. We need as people, looking at this story saying, God, we need you. There's more to us than just being physical, a retirement package, having gifts in Christmas season. No, we need you, God. As we look to God, we're transformed. Just like in Exodus when Moses went up to the mountain and he was before God, the presence of God was shown upon him. Well, if you continue to look at verse 9, the second point I want to bring to your attention is this. Angels, they have a glory to them, but it teaches us that only God should receive our worship. As we study and look to angels, we have to define and understand that they are powerful, incredible spiritual beings. But what does that mean for us? Well, verse 9 says, the glory of the Lord uh, shone around them, because as you worship God, we mirror the image we worship. The glory, the glory of the Lord was around them because they're before the Lord all the time. And the shepherds, they were fear. They were uh, filled with great fear. That's one common thing when you see scripture and human beings and angels. Human beings are really scared of these powerful, mighty beings, and they're always trying to worship God. I mean, worship these powerful beings, these angels. Typically, when an angel appears before men, people are afraid of them and even try to worship them. Now, why is this? Because angels are powerful creatures. There is a glory to them, meaning there is a beauty or a a majesty, um, a majestic or magnificence to them. You remember in John chapter 22 of Revelation, in verse 8 and 9, John, uh, angel appeared before John, giving him truth and revelation again about the things to come, the end of the age and the heavenly throne. And John immediately fell down before the angel. And the angel said, stop, do not do that. I am a fellow servant. Do not do that. Do not worship me. But we in our weakness, because the Bible says we were made lower than the angels, have a temptation to actually worship angels, to geek out in the spiritual realm. Because angels are called in Scripture, like we just read Psalm 103, 20, mighty ones. They're mighty. Like if we saw an angel, we would freak out too. Think about that. They're just shepherds in the field. They're doing their thing and literally... It's not like they got the iPad going on or, I mean, like, it, it's no distraction. It's quiet. There's no white noise. And all of a sudden, you see a light. There's not electricity at this time. They're blown away. There's a powerful creature, as Ephesians 1.21 tells us angels are. The Bible says there's dominions and authorities when it comes to angels, Colossians 1.16. And this being shows up, and then all of the homies show up behind him, a heavenly host. Like, can you even imagine? Of course you're going to be fearful when you see these things because angels are powerful beings, but they never receive glory for themselves or praise or worship from others because they know their place. Yes, they are powerful, but they're not as powerful as God. They are not creator. They are created beings made by God. Now, we know this through the Genesis story, Nehemiah, like all throughout Scripture. I just reference Exodus because we're going through that as a church. Exodus 20, verse 11, part of the Ten Commandments. God would tell Moses in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Other verses talk about the heavenly host. Then he rests on the seventh day. God made every living creature, including angels, for his glory. And this is where we need to be careful when we think and study about angels and look to them because some angels, did you know that they want to be worshipped? They want to receive their own glory. You may know the most famous angel, Lucifer. He's what's known as the fallen angel, the deceiver, Satan, the devil. He actually tried to receive glory and was kicked out of heaven by God. Now, I'm just going to say this real quick for the recording. You're not going to be able to write this down, but a couple of references for that. Luke 18.10, Isaiah 14.12, Revelation 12.9, Jude 1.6, Ezekiel 28.17. We see it throughout Scripture. Satan not only fell by his pride, but he actually deceived a third of the angels from heaven to go with him and the apostle paul tells us and warns us of this fact in 2 corinthians 11:14 that satan he says disguises himself as an angel of light as an angel of light satan and his demons want to steal the glory from god and are waging war on god and his creation here on earth it's what paul describes in Ephesians chapter 6 as spiritual warfare and he tells us to be aware of this demonic and devil schemes because demonic activity is real as well. When we talk about the spiritual realm, there's angels. Well, yes, there are angels that serve God, and there are angels that have been kicked out of heaven, fallen, or what we know as demons. This is why Paul said in Galatians one but even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we uh, preach to you, let him be accursed. And it's often known in Scripture, false doctrine is known as the doctrine of demons. He's a liar. The father of lies, Jesus would say. And demonic lies are spread through in the spiritual realm, and they're destructive, and they're destructive for our souls. You know, one demonic lie is the religion of Mormonism. It was founded on the revelation of, from an angel to Joseph Smith. But if you match what they believe, it's actually false and contrary. Jesus is not equal to Satan and another angel. Jesus is greater than Satan. Jesus is creator. Satan is a creature, okay? God and angels are not on the same playing field. They are not equal but yet we have this angel reveal and a whole religion spurred up and a cult come and not give deity and value to Christ because every truth, oh, they're Christians. They're, no, every truth is, or every lie is, really has some truth in it and they actually come in with doctrine of demons and now the glory is not on Christ, but it's on your own works and your own efforts and it's contrary to the gospel. And so we need to test, 1 John 4, 1 says, all spirits. So if an angel comes to you or you have this revelation, that's all great. But God is not God of confusion and he doesn't get things out of order. And if you look at this message that the angel shares, he says, fear not, for I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. He starts sharing the gospel and how people get saved and what the plan of salvation is and everything that is true to scripture. And we need to understand that God will not share his glory for anyone. Did you know that hell was actually made for Satan and his demons as they'll be judged and thrown into hell revelation 20:10. Jude 1:6 says this, and the angels who do not stay within their position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until judgment of the great day. Demons are not going to win. But listen, No one will win when they oppose God and try to receive glory for themselves. And not only angels will be able to go to hell and kicked into hell, but also humans and us, souls that receive our own glory and don't give glory to God. We need to learn this from the angels because just like the angels, did you know that humans, we have a degree of glory? We're made in the image of God. We are majestic creatures that God has made and loves and cares, but we've been tainted, marred by sin. And we actually try to receive glory for ourselves. And the Bible says we should not be worshipped. We are not God. We can learn from the angels that although that we are powerful, may have a glory, we are not glad. They They cry out, these angels in verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is what we should all declare. This is the good news of the gospel according to scriptures. And when we declare that, that God is God and we're submitting to him, it'll bring forth praise, adoration. And so we worship God. Only God should receive the glory. Lastly, as we look at this story and sort of systematically think about angels and what to teach us in verses 10 through 15, there's more of the text that we read. Sort of those two points from verse 9, but in 10 through 15, we see that we should be servants of God. Now in verse 10, as we read the text, continuing on, the angel said to them, these shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you some good news of great joy that will be for all people, meaning the gospel, salvation. Jesus, he's for everyone. Don't ever think that anyone is too far off for this good news. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, like it was prophesied, Micah 5, 2. There's a Christ who is Lord, meaning you should submit your life to him. What a message to declare. And I've heard many stories about, can you imagine that angel, like, waiting for time in history to be able to share that with the shepherds? Like, how epic would that be? Like, is it time? Is it time? No, 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 no. Paul said Galatians chapter four, it's a point in time, it was a specific time, a specific place, a specific way that Christ would be born. So you can't go yet, you can't go yet, you can't, okay, you now go. He must have been just blown out of his mind, super happy. Like to be used by God in that way that salvation is found in Jesus to all people and just to see the look on these shepherds. You know, the word angel literally means Messenger one that has a message. Angels are spiritual beings that were created by God to do His will and to serve Him, and they actually have a message. And we see that message in verse 13 as they just appear suddenly and praise God and just just wells up. From the article that I share from Wayne Grudem, I'm not going to give you all the references, but I think this is a pretty cool thing. I want to just read this for you. Because it said, he says there are numerous ways in which angels carry out God's plan on earth. And he gives all the biblical references. You can look it up throughout the week. But there's sort of six things that angels do because they not only have a message, but they actually serve the will of God. Not just with his word, but his will. There's a lot of verses that say they frequently bring God's message to people. That's what we see in this story. But they also carry out God's judgment. When Christ returns, angels will come with him as a great army accompanying their king and lord. Scripture tells us that angels patrol the earth as God's representatives. That they can carry out war against demonic forces. And that when Christ returns, an archangel will proclaim his coming. So they not only have a message for men, but they live out the commandments of God. This is their role. This is what they're doing here right in this story. These powerful beings that we all freak out about, we saw them, they're actually servants of God, and God directs them to minister. And this is where Psalm 91 comes in. because Did you know that they actually can minister to you? Because we see that they're ministering in the story over and over again. Remember when, they, when the angel appeared, Gabriel, to Mary? are in a dream like last week to Joseph, or right now to the shepherds. We see these angels all over the story of Jesus and these texts. But Psalm 91, 11 for 12 tells us that angels are still active today, that they are a part of our story, and we may not even be aware of it. Because Psalm says, For he, God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now you may say, Well, hold on, there's like a lot of human beings. Right? I think what are we up to? Like, is it eight billion now? And counting? Or are we at nine billion? Eight? Okay, it's it's just it's it's nuts to think about this. But I want to remind you that scripture says there's a lot of angels. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed and we think, well, does God really care? Is he able to? Think about how powerful an angel is because in the Old Testament, God would just send one angel and take out thousands of people and take care of a whole army just by one. One little angel. Or maybe one little big angel. You know what I'm saying? But listen to what scripture says about when it talks about angels and the numbers and how God is able to minister to us through these angels. Deuteronomy 30, 33 through 2 says, God came from the 10,000 holy ones. Remember, angels are known as holy ones. In Isaiah 68, 17, it says, the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Hebrews 12, says there's innumerable angels. Wayne Grudem, he quotes this and he says this about giving those references. Every biblical verse or reference to the total number of angels suggests suggest that they are beyond counting. God is powerful enough to take care of you. He could do it through his word. He could do it by himself. He could do it through his spirit, through his son, through his angels, through the heavenly host, through another person through just strengthening your soul, through giving you word, giving you vision, giving you dream. This is the spiritual realm. And one of the ways he uses angels is to minister to us. Hebrews says so much so that we may not even know it. And Luke 2.13 says there were a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. A multitude. We see in Scripture that there are a lot of them. Now, specifically, we know there are three types of angels. There's the cherubim, seraphim, and living creatures known in Scripture. And these angels, they have a hierarchy, or you may say an order, because in Jude chapter 1, it's only one chapter, but verse 9 says Michael is an archangel. And we see only out of the multitude of hosts, only two angels named, Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel is commonly found in this story, the Christmas story. This is significant because they're so powerful, used by God in doing all this crazy stuff in the spiritual realm, and we freak out by them, but it's never about them, is it? It's interesting how we have a culture of celebrityism, and we elevate ministers, even pastors sometimes, when we have multitude of ministers that are greater than us right now in the spiritual realm that see God's glory, that have the glory of God, that are ministering and just serving God, and it's not even about them. There's not like names upon names and stuff like that. It's just the angels. They're just content just being servants of God. You don't need to be famous to be a Christian. It's not about you. You You don't need to have your name elevated. You could be content being just a servant of God. But yet, in their context, as servants, they were joyous to be servants. They were praising God, to just do His will, to speak forth His word. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly by the angels, and it's done immediately and joyfully, without question. And they see Jesus in all of His glory. You remember in Revelation chapter 5? as it's an open window or a picture of heaven and things to come, they are crying out, worthy is the Lamb, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. When Grudem says, if angels find it their highest joy of praise to praise God continuously, shouldn't we too? You see, angels teach us that it is a good and joyous thing just to be servants of God. And they're used in a mighty way in the Christmas story. Those that live out his will and speak forth as messengers. As angels do this, it benefits humans. But you know, as we do this, it benefits humans. As we're able to do God's work and just be servants of God, bringing Him glory and speaking forth the gospel to others and not just being messengers but also doing the will of God and having His lordship. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Having His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, Jesus taught us this in, to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven where the angels were sent in verse 15 because they obey God perfectly and there's an order and a structure, and a just blessing, and glory, and honor, and praise, and adoration to Jesus. And now we as human beings, with our glory, we can submit to God as Lord, and we can bring that order into the earth, having Him rule and reign His kingdom as we make Him Lord. And as we do so, it not only blesses humanity, but it blesses our hearts. It's our salvation. It's our joy. We get to be part of the story. Just like that angel being like, is it time? Is it time? Is it? Guess what? It's time for you all. It's time for us. Acts chapter 17 says he's allotted a place and a time. Your, your race is not a mistake. Your nationality, your citizenship, the time you were, it's not a mistake. It's all a part of God's plan, his sovereign plan. It's a specific time that he wants to use you to bring him glory. Just as he made the angels, he made us all for his glory and his namesake. You see, before you get all gung-ho about what Scripture says about angels and start studying them, let me just clarify and make sure you understand that the main character in this story is Jesus. He's a person, He came, and He's the one that the angels are praising. The main character of your life is not you. Jesus said when you lose your life, you'll actually gain it. It's Jesus. And when you point others to Him, It will bring glory to Him and it will bring an aspect of your life that you'll find joy, peace, and strength. People get get so wrapped up in the spiritual realm and spirits and and they miss the Lord of it all. My final point is this. Jesus is greater than the angels. And this is a common theme throughout Scripture. If you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, I did a little bit of this last week during communion, but Hebrews chapter 1, it talks about this point. And we'll just finish with this if The worship team wants to come on up, we'll respond to communion and really take a little bit extra time to worship, to process, to praise God because He deserves our praise and with a message like this, we need to be like them angels praising God. But the Bible says that Jesus is greater than the angels and we're to worship Him, to know Him when we come together as a church to remember the finished work of Jesus, the things that He's done. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 through 9, and the, really the whole chapter, I'm just taking this section. It says, Having become as much superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Who is this speaking of? Jesus. Because Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heirs of all things through him. Uh, Also, he created the world. He is the radiance of glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of high. So verse 4 says, Now this Jesus, having become as much superior to these angels as the name he has inherited, is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. The answer is, No angels. Or, again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. It's not even a comparison. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him, speaking of Jesus. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels uh, uh, winds, and his ministers a flame of fire but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The specter of uprighteousness and the specter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of the gladness beyond your companions. God is in the heavenly realm right now. Three days later, he rose again. He ascended to heaven, just like these angels. He's hanging out with the angels. Did you know that, Jesus, right now? But he's interceding for you and I, and it says he is greater than all of the heavenly host. The thousands upon the thousands upon the thousands that see his true glory, they do not even come close to his glory. For they are crying in heaven, worthy is the lamb. All honor, all glory goes to him. And we pray on earth as is in heaven. Lord Jesus, have all the honor, all the glory. You are honored and you are glorified in our lives. So as we gather as a church, let's remember the role of angels to point us to worship Jesus and the incredible work. For did you know the Bible says the angels marvel at the gospel? Because they are already judged. They rebelled. There is no salvation. They're looking at us in awe of God's great grace and love, and they are dumbfounded. For we are lower than the angels, but we will actually have resurrected bodies like Christ and then judge the angels in heaven. And God redeems the angel Satan. He has no redemption. Hell is his destiny. But for us sinners who are, Flat out rebel against God, there is redemption and mercy from Christ, and it displays for all eternity the love of God that He gives to us. And what an incredible thing to think about and a reason for us to praise His name. And so He says, when we gather together, remember it. Remember His grace. Remember His goodness. And this is another key character in the Christmas story that we can learn. So let's pray and let's praise Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. God, we honor you above every living being. We first off submit our lives to you. We know when we do that, we find salvation. And for those that don't know you, God, maybe listening online or even in the room, Lord, that they would submit their lives to you to have true life, make you Lord and King. But Lord, for most of us, we've done that. We know that. It's just coming back to the gospel. Help us to grow in the gospel. Thank you that we can go to God, your word and scripture and build our faith. Let us be like the angels, having a glory and appearance of ourselves, Lord. We don't say that we're terrible or nothing. Lord, no, we are incredible beings that you have made. But our purpose and our joy and our reason of living is to give you glory. Help us to do that. Not only in song and communion now, but throughout our lives in this season In this holiday season, we want to give you praise and honor and glory. And so we bless your name. We sing and we say, come, empower us, help us to live for you, help us to glorify you, help us to see the spiritual realm, that this isn't a playground, it's a a battlefield, and we need you, God. We need you. So as we cry out upon your name today, may you fill us with your spirit. And let us see more of the spiritual realm to give you more glory. in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.